When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. Make sure to mash that subscribe button. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We like talking to y'all and you like listening to us, I think. One thing I'll mention is uh, Jim from Covington. If you're listening, thank you for the review. It was very friendly. We did not pay Jim from Covington, but he says we're his favorite podcast tonight. And I believe him. So that was nice. Just want to make sure you guys know we do read that and uh, it is nice to see. So thanks to everyone who left feedback. Thanks to everyone who left a rating. Thanks for everyone who subscribes. And for y'all subscribers, we're going to go through the defense now with our 53 man roster projections. Hopefully you're listening to this before 3 p.m. on Tuesday, (laughs) because if you're listening to it after 3 p.m. on Tuesday, you're just going to hear how wrong we are at all these, at all these positions, right? Uh, no, I think we have it on, pretty on point. So we're going to start with the defensive line. I think the defensive line is probably the easiest position to project Agreed. on this roster because top to bottom, it just feels pretty stout. Obviously, the top four, Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, Peyton Turner, Carl Granderson. And then the final D end, I think, is Tano Passigno. And I think you've seen enough from all these guys. Taco Charlton is really the only kind of name you wonder about, but I don't think he's done enough. What do you feel about the DNs? No, I, I would have the same exact crew right there. Um, more concerned about what we're going to see from a guy like Peyton Turner. Had a really quiet preseason. Kind of came to life against the Chargers game with some good pressures. But I, I want to see, I thought we'd see a lot more of him, especially when he was playing deep into some of these preseason games and still didn't hit home on any, you know, on any of these opposing quarterbacks. Yeah, I think he's still got some work to do. But remember, he's effectively still a rookie, right? I mean, he played in three games last year. So I think there is a learning curve that he is still getting to. But I I expect some, it might have been four. Five, I I think. Was it five? Either way, he didn't see a, I mean, he was active for five games. Right, right. He only got snaps in three games. I got you. Um, But either way, that's not obviously a lot of NFL football. So I think there is still a learning curve for him in terms of the game action, but I think in practice, he has looked really good. And I think it's just a matter of getting that to click and he has remained healthy, which is important. You know, last year during camp, he was hurt the whole time. So it's good to see him healthy. And I think the important thing about this group is if you can keep it healthy, you have a really good rotation so that in the fourth quarter of games, you're bringing in guys who are fresh and, and you can continue to get after it. And that's not something you had last year. Uh, you you were lucky if you could field two of these guys in a game. And uh, I think that's going to be a big a big part of how the Saints win games is not only covering, but getting after the passer. And it's going to make up for what I would argue is a suspect linebacking core. Yeah, I was really excited about what Carl Granderson was doing most of camp. But then it, I guess an injury kind of bug hit him. We haven't really heard much and we haven't really seen much out of him the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think he was hurt for the Chargers game. He's missed the last couple of days of practice. So we'll see from him. But I do think that he's pretty safely on that roster. 
if we kind of shift to defensive tackle, I think there may be some questions here, mostly because of the an injury to Malcolm Roach in that Chargers game that we don't really know the significance of. And so I think he had pretty pretty safely secured his spot on the roster, assuming he he's not hurt, right? So hopefully that's the case because the roster I have here, and I still think it's pretty solid, and this is defensive tackle. David Onyemata, Malcolm Roach, Shy Tuttle, Kentavious Street. I think that's a very good group. Jordan Jackson is really the only one I have a question about whether you want to keep around the sixth round draft pick because you don't like cutting your own draft picks. But I think a six rounder, you can you can get away with it. And you're going to stash him on the practice squad, and I think you'll feel good about it. But if Malcolm Roach is hurt, maybe you keep Jordan instead and you just bump everyone up and you put Jordan at the bottom of that list as kind of the rotational uh, depth. But a, a that's pos- who I have. A positive from the Roach injury, at least, is the fact that while he did get looked at, obviously, it seemed like they just taped him up some more and he was able to stay on the sideline and didn't have to go to the locker room or get carted off or anything. He was still out there and able to participate. But, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see between Tuttle and Roach if Tuttle can end up getting more snaps than him kind of thing. But I, I, other than that big gaffe in Green Bay, I thought Malcolm Roach has had a, a pretty good offseason as well. Yeah, I think it's pretty telling of how good he has been overall that we are not holding that play in Green Bay against him more than we are. Because that's the type of play that could like it's like Abram Smith fumble on the goal line, and that completely kind of changed his outlook for his his chances this season, I think. And I that play for Malcolm could have done the same thing. But the way he responded to it was so positive, and the way he responded in practice days after that, that I, I feel pretty good about, you know, his ability to to make an impact on this roster. I mentioned to you when the cuts came out about the rookie Josh Black, it was almost like a player. I was like, wait a minute, who is this guy? Yeah, I couldn't even tell you his number. And I know all the numbers. Actually, no, it was 57. <laughs> I do know that. Um, okay, so yeah, I think that that position is pretty easy to project. Um, the next position, I think you could go a number of ways. And that is linebacker. Now, the top two, I think you can set in stone, you know, assuming Pete Werner is healthy, which is Demario Davis, Pete Werner. And then the last member of that list, I think Andrew Dowell is pretty safe as a special teams contributor. But then like the next two or three is a question. So the guys I have, I'm keeping six because I think because you don't know who your backup is, you don't know who the depth is. You need to keep an extra, an extra linebacker just to, just to have an idea of what you're looking at. Plus I think, you know, you're keeping someone so that, you know, it's almost like a placeholder at that position just in case a linebacker you like gets cut and you can pick them up and bring them in and uh, kind of set it. But uh, so the uh, the three I'm keeping, Caden Ellis, Nephi Sewell, and Eric Wilson. Now, that means you're cutting Zach Vaughn, Chase Hansen, and John Bostic. And I feel okay with that. I I think Zach has had his chance on this roster and he is just not, I don't think it's a fit for him. I don't think the scheme works for him. And I expect him to get claimed by somebody. Maybe the, maybe the Packers <laughs> bring him home. And then Eric Wilson, I think is kind of your backup Mike alongside Caden, who is kind of your starting Sam. I have questions about Eric Wilson in coverage. He got beat kind of cold on a third and 10 play where the tight end just outran him to the edge of the field and converted to first down. And like, that's the type of play where you're just like, ah, oh, okay, I get it. 
But then, you know, you see him kind of tracking on run plays and it's impressive and he tackles well. And so I can see why you keep him on the roster. He's always around the ball. He's forced two turnovers in, in preseason. So I like him. I think he stays around. And then Nephi Sewell is your cover linebacker. I think he has cover traits that no one else in that group has um, outside of a, maybe a Pete Werner because he was a safety and he has kind of those instincts. There were a, a couple plays in that game uh, against the chargers that, you know, I think at least one of them, everyone was like, Oh, he missed the tackle. He missed the tackle. No, he got blocked in the back. Like it was a screenplay. I tweeted about this. It was a screen, a little slip screen. They set up to the running back and everything up to the tackle was perfect, right? He broke on the play before chase Daniel even set to throw. He was upfield. And the only thing that went wrong was the <laughs> offensive lineman who pushed him in the back did not get called for a penalty. I thought this when I watched it live, but I couldn't be sure with the angle. But once you see the all 22 in the end zone angle, you can see clearly he has two hands on his numbers and he's just shoving them. And it's like, okay, that should have been a 10 yard penalty or a 15 yard penalty, whatever a block in the back is. And it wasn't. So I'm not holding that against him. It would be great if he could have still made that play despite being fouled, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold a foul against him when the refs are the one who made the mistake. So anyway, I thought it was a good play by him because he forced the offensive lineman to foul him. It just didn't get called. The other thing that, that stood out to me in the first half of that game on the touchdown drive, which was that same drive, the Chargers had two separate first and goal plays because Vincent Gray got called for pass interference in the end zone and it reset it to first and goal. Twice, Nephi Sewell and Marcus May sliced in the backfield and stopped a run short of the end zone. Um, and I thought those were really nice instincts on the goal line. And I think he's done enough. I think that, you know, we're seeing him get first team reps in practice. And like, I, I like John Bostic. I like Chase Hansen. They have not done anything that gets me excited. Right. Um, Chase Hansen, I think probably earned a spot and lost a spot. And he earned the spot by doing what he has always done. And then he lost the spot by doing what he has always done, which, you know, has been get hurt. Um, and so it's just hard for me to put a lot of faith in him. But, you know, you never know. Maybe maybe his injury is not as significant and they're just kind of keeping him out in the background so that they can bring him back. But that list is who I'm keeping. Demario, Werner, Ellis, Sewell, Wilson, and Dow. Yeah, the one, only one for me, I could see Bostic, obviously, maybe becoming a practice squad guy uh, just because he he seemed to show a lot in that preseason finale too. He just a reliable veteran presence for this team. Like what I've seen out of Nephi plays hard. You can tell he wants it and just has um, speed ability uh, to in that, in the linebacking court to provide for you. I'm all aboard too with, you know, there's just too many questions with Chase Hansen's health. It's not his ability to play. Someone that who, who knows if another team will take a chance on him. They has been a guy that's been around this team since 2019, and it's just we've we've seen it every year of what the injury issues have been a problem, and and again it's hurting him. But with Demario Werner, Caden Ellis, Dowell, Wilson, and Sewell, I, I I have that pretty much locked up as the linebacking group as well. And as we it'll, we'll have to see what happens with Werner's groin issue because <laughs> you know we we saw that he was able to come back from it initially but then disappeared again and we really haven't seen him since 
So you've heard it here first. Um, Steve is going to be watching Pete Werner's groin very closely. Close eye on it, yep. Yeah, he's going to have the binoculars. He's just going to be looking directly at Pete Werner's groin <laughs> all all throughout camp practice. We're going to get a half hour to watch practice on Monday. And Pete is or Steve is going to spend the entire time looking, up that staring groin. at Pete Werner's groin <laughs> just to see what's going on there. That's we have the dedication. This is dedication. I just hope we at least see him get on the bike even and, and do some work. Yeah, well, you got to, yeah, I mean, that's a good, that give you a good groin, groin picture of the groin if you do that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the one thing I will say is we're going to have to, uh, if if Nephi does make the roster, we're going to have to shoot Mark Romig a text and have him double check the pronunciation guide because he said Nephi, or he said Nephi Sewell multiple times uh, in the stadium. Oh, I didn't game. hear that. Yeah, he did. Well, because I thought I heard it once, and then I heard it again to confirm. And yeah, he was saying Nephi. Um, well, well, I can tell you for sure. I'm looking at the flip chart right now, and it clearly says Nephi. Sewell. They added it. It wasn't there for the first two games. Right, right. They added that, and uh, Mark clearly did not get the memo of uh, of that name update. Um, so, and and I was like, I'm not going to bug him about it unless he makes the roster, because if he gets right. cut, it doesn't matter. <laughs> But if he makes it, we probably should make sure we get that updated. Anyway, we've talked about that name so much. Like, we have done our job. We have done our job to educate the masses on how to say this man's name. So if you get it wrong, that's on you. <laughs> and that means you don't listen to our podcast. I'm, I'm also seeing, too, on the, the flip chart, which is, I, I need this because I feel like I say it different every time. Tyron Matthew. I always say it correctly. So that's you. That's not a me problem. That's a you Definitely. problem. Definitely. I, I always have an issue. I don't know. I feel like every time I'm creating a new way to say Tyron Matthew. Tyron, Tyran, Tyron, <laughs> Tyron. Yeah. I've heard a lot of them, but it is Tyron. I even checked with Haas because uh, it's his job to say these names correctly. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Let's move on. Let's move to uh, not Tyron's position, but close to it. We're going to talk about cornerback. You know, I said defensive tackle kind of feels like the most set <laughs> group. Yeah, too. It's not. This is the most set group. You have Marshawn Lattimore. I think he's going to make this roster. Mm, Paul Sinadibo, Bradley Roby, Alante Taylor. End it right there. That is a that is an excellent group. The only question I have is Alante Taylor's health. I don't know. He's dealing with a hip thing. He hasn't practiced a lot. You wonder if maybe you're going to redshirt him. I don't know. But the guy who I think stood out in that final preseason game that I hadn't really taken any notes on before was Vincent Gray. He was in the game early as a cornerback across from Bradley Roby. He did have that penalty in the end zone, but I thought it was decent coverage. And it's just like, you know, the, he's not making this roster, but he was in good position. He made a play on the ball and he got too much of the jersey. And, you know, that's something you got to clean up. But I thought it was a decent play by him that got flagged and like, okay, you can see kind of, him progressing um and then he shifted back to safety and played in the in the gray area as i'm calling it uh, alongside jt gray it was the back it was the secondary of gray and gray which i'm sure was great fun to call as the announcer and i thought he played pretty well as, as the free safety so you know there you go like i think when you can do that as a young player that adds value and i think it's something that's going to basically guarantee him a spot on the practice squad but that i thought that he had a good performance he's not making the roster but i thought he had a good performance yeah positive too i would say on tay taylor uh is the fact that at least he was suited up for friday's game against the chargers yeah yeah and he's not a guy who you're going to have a lot of um 
a lot of pressure on in his rookie season. So, uh, I mean, I think he makes it, and I think he's going to be an interesting guy to watch. But I think that's that Marshawn, Paulson, Bradley, that is your cornerback room, and you're feeling really good about it. Let's move on to safety. Now, one thing to keep in mind is safety includes guys like C.J. Gardner-Johnson, P.J. Williams. So, like, it's kind of the catch-all position, whereas, like, C.J. isn't really a safety, right? P.J. isn't really a safety, but they're sticking on the roster. So those are two guys. Then the other ones, Tyron Matthew, obviously, Marcus May, and J.T. Gray, because he's a special team standout. And then there is one more player that I think should make this roster, and that's Justin Evans. Absolutely, um, I agree. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I, from what we've seen throughout camp and in games, just a guy that's been all over the place, uh, even creating turnovers, getting better on special teams. I think he's got a lot of upside for on this roster, and I would give him that edge over a veteran like Daniel Sorensen. Well, look, I'll be honest with you, that was one of the areas that we had a discussion with him about uh, improving in that area. Um, so that'll be part of the evaluation process. But, you know, I, I, he made a nice play uh, punching that ball out. And then there was another, I think it was a third down stop uh, that he made a nice play on too. So, you know, he's he's a guy that, that you know, has caught my eye a little bit. Yeah, so that was Dennis Allen on Justin Evans. Um, he was talking about special teams, and that was an area that he felt like Justin had to improve. And I think that he has improved to the extent that you feel a little better about it. And he, you know, he intercepted the ball against the Texans. He punched the ball out against the Chargers. And he's always around the ball. He forced a punt on a third down with a PBU. And, you know, it's hard to watch him and not come away thinking, yeah, this is a guy who should be on the roster. And so I think if I had my say, I'm keeping him on there. And that's my sixth safety. Uh, yeah, with, so, uh, with uh, Justin Evans, I totally agree. And the fact that, you know, you know, he's another guy kind of like a Chase Hansen that's dealt with a number of injuries over his career, high draft pick of the Buccaneers, and just hasn't really been in football uh, very much because of those injuries. Yeah, and the only guy that I feel like might make the roster that I'm kind of overlooking is Daniel Sorensen, just because he has been so involved in those special teams units. He's been on the first team for a lot of these special teams units, and I could see him being a guy you bring back. I just don't know it's just tough for me to cut any of these guys. It's tough for me to keep seven safeties, but I could see it. Maybe you keep one fewer linebacker and, and you keep Sorensen. Maybe you cut Vanette and you keep Sorensen, but you know, I, I feel okay cutting, cutting Sorensen, but they did sign him. They like him. So I, I, you know, that could go either way. I am. That's one of the positions I'm really interested to see how it shakes out on Tuesday. Cause a lot of these I'm confident in safety is the one where I'm like trying to speak Justin Evans into existence because I want to see him on the roster, but the saints might be viewing it differently. Yeah. I think his play though, the off season and in the preseason has really pushed his way onto the roster and really good for him. Yeah. But it, it might be one of those situations where we're watching him play safety right? Whereas this final, this is probably, if not the last roster spot, one of the last two or three. And so we're really excited about what we've seen at a position where he's really not going to be playing. And so if it comes down to, okay, this last roster spot is about special teams and you're weighing Justin Evans on special teams versus Daniel Sorensen on special teams. 
it might end up with a different equation than what we're kind of watching and reacting to, which is always make a place on the ball, blah, blah, blah. That's where, you know, I think when you make mistakes in these projections, that's where you do it, where you're overvaluing something that isn't going to be that person's main role. Like Dejon Dixon, after that first preseason game, he made a couple really nice catches and that's great, but he's not going to be running these routes if he makes this roster, he's going to have to be a jammer or a gunner. He's going to have to do something there. He's going to have to make tackles on punts and kickoffs. And um, that's where I think when you miss the roster as a young player, that's where you do it. And that's where if Justin Evans misses the roster, that's probably where he's going to do it. Well, and you talked about these other positions too. They were saying, you know, slam dunks, spe- special teams is an easy layup too. Will Lutz, Gillikin. And, oh, that's know- what you meant? No, I'm cutting Will Lutz. <laughs> yeah you can find it you can find another kicker we i mean yeah i mean last year was so much fun i just want to do it again let's cut will and uh we'll see what we can get uh, start doing tryouts yeah i mean aldrick roses was fun let's do that again zach wood i mean come on why would you keep him blake gillikin 81 yards come on i saw a guy kick 82 but we don't want to talk about him yeah i mean it's just amazing to me like you know that position of kicker obviously you don't appreciate them till they're gone kind of thing. And luckily Lutz has shown the distance and accuracy has not been depleted after his injury last year. And I think he went like 49 and 51 in camp. Right. That's pretty good. I would say. Yeah, that's pretty solid. I don't yeah. think we have to discuss that too much. I was joking. I'm not cutting Will Lutz. Sign him to a lifetime contract. Never let him leave. <laughs> yeah. You need like your, your, we need like the sarcastic quotes or something. Yeah, I wish like I wish there was a sarcasm font on uh on Twitter. I wish there was a sarcasm voice I could make. Cut Will Lutz. There it is. No. Yeah, that's yeah, I'll talk like I'll talk like the mad dog when I when I'm being sarcastic and I want to say something stupid because that's what he does all the time. Just anyway. start yelling into the microphone. Back in my day. This podcast has gone completely off the rails. But yeah. Anyway. But that that's pretty much our fifty-three. That is the 53. We went through all of them. And I don't know why we went into specialists with the defense, but we did. So that's 25 on offense, 25 on defense, three on special teams. And in case that wasn't clear, that was Will Lutz as the kicker, Blake Gillikin as the punter, and Zach Wood as the long snapper. The position that I would, I, I get asked like, oh, if you were a football player, what position would you play? And I always say uh, long snapper because you can have like a 20 year career and, you know, all you have to do is throw the ball back to the other guy and then get off the field. If he misses, no one blames you, right? Like all you have, you have to get it to him. And then he does the hard work. Like he does the thing that everyone's going to remember, but you get paid anyway. So yeah, I just uh, have to look up real quick. The average annual salary too for a long snapper, 800 K. Yeah, I think I could live on that. That's not bad at all, right? Not terrible. I mean, like, think about it. Like, if you have a 10-year career, you know, as a long snapper, you're making $800,000 a year. You know, your your lifetime earnings, you know, you're ending up with $7, 8000000 million. That's not a terrible, uh, not a terrible way to, 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 make some, to make some cash. And the body's so, definitely not taking the beating either. Right. You're not getting hit. I mean, Zach Wood made a tackle on special teams, and everyone was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, like, right. He doesn't even have to do that. Like him doing that is them is like enough to like give him a high five. Like that's not even part of his role. He's literally just there spinning the ball. 
I actually saw him. Uh, I thought it was interesting when he was warming up at the Superdome before the practice there, and he was doing like overhand snaps, and he was just like spinning the ball. And I was like, yeah, these long snappers, man, they got all their drills. They got very. They got one very specific thing, and they do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, and it's not. It's not a a sexy position that you're going to get any kind of credit for. Uh, you know, you're not getting the big stats or. You know, no one's drafting you in fantasy football, but still. I'm going to draft him. I'm going to draft Zach Wood. It's it's still obviously an important spot on your roster that, you know, just another guy that doesn't get much love. Yeah. And that's why he always wins the uh, home run derby that they do, because he has nothing else to do but sit there and practice. <laughs> and <laughs> like like his hobby is to be the ringer of the of the home run derby that the Saints haven't run in three years. But yeah, Maybe I'm a big Zach Wood fan. I was also a Zach Line fan, but now I'm a big Zach Wood fan. It's something about Zach's. The Zach Line Wood Band. Sounds like one. That's not it. Okay. I think that's the end of this podcast. We went through our entire 53-man roster. And uh, again, if you're listening to this after 3 p.m. Tuesday, we were probably wrong. But we're going to find out. I think it's going to be really interesting, especially what they do at linebacker, wide receiver. I think running back has kind of sorted itself out. But safety and tight end. I think those are the positions that we're going to look at and be interested to see how our picks stack up with their decision. Yeah, I think the linebacker one definitely is the biggest question for me, at least, that there could be some differences that from what we mentioned. But other than that, I don't know. I think I think it's solid in what we were talking about, that you know the 53 that the Saints team's going in with, the question's going to be later in the week when some of these other guys are released from other teams who the team the Saints might have their eye on and bringing into this roster that were on other squads. I agree with you. Um, but okay, I think that's going to wrap it up. This is going to be a nightmare to record um, or to, to edit because uh, I didn't have my office today. So if you hear, if you heard any weird sounds, that's probably my dog prancing around like a maniac or me just coughing. Uh, but either way, thanks for everyone who listened. Um, we have about two weeks left until two weeks from today, two weeks from Sunday, which is we are recording on Sunday until the Saints opener. But we will be back in the Superdome a week from Sunday to watch LSU play Florida State. So we'll get we'll get an early uh, introduction to real football in the dome. But until then, you know we're going to keep publishing and we're going to keep doing podcasts, and we'll probably react to the 53 man roster on our next episode. So. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. Inside Black and Gold, look for us wherever you get your podcast. Download, listen, and comment, please. Peace, y'all.